0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Uh, turn to Matthew 4. We are in part three of our series called This is Tree. As we kicked off this new year, anniversary was a couple weeks ago, 37 years, and we're just celebrating God's goodness and faithfulness. Amen. We're looking in the word and seeing, you know, who God's created us to be. We want to make sure we're on mission. Uh, If you're a part of this church, it's a great reminder uh, for us to make sure that we are a part of what God's doing. If you're looking for a church and you get to hear our heart, it's a great time to come. It's a great time to invite somebody again next week. We'll wrap up the series next Sunday, so come be a part of that. been kind of walking us through the scripture, the founding scripture Tree of Life, Proverbs 1130. Don't turn there yet. We'll get there. I put it a little bit further on, actually, second scripture in the message today. I want to, I want to kind of kick off uh, from, uh, I think, our launching pad last week. Um, about, you know, just reaching the loss. And so we'll get to Proverbs eleven thirty in just a second. But take a look with me in Matthew 4, 18 through 19. We shared this last week. And this is what Jesus is wanting from all of us, is he's getting his disciples together. He's launching out into his earthly ministry. And so he comes up to the first couple of guys, and here's what he says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send, different translation this week, I will send you out to fish for people. Last week in the New King James Version, he said, I will make you fishers of men. Now, in answering to that question, what would Jesus want of you? What does he want to make you? What is his agenda? What does he want to do with his followers? He wants his followers to fish for people. I mean, above all else, I mean, we can rattle off 100 things that we'd want. We think that God would want, Jesus would want to make us more holy, more uh, you know, prayerful, more in the Bible, more prosperous, uh, more healthy, uh, better dad, better husband, whatever that looks like. And those are all true. That comes from living a godly life or being connected with Christ. But he wants all of us to be on mission because his mission was to seek and save the lost. He said, "I came to seek and save the lost. I came for those that he said I came for those that are sick, not well, because the sick need the doctor, the well do not." And so he had a mission that we believe in the Great Come Mission. We shared that last week. We looked at lots of scripture. If you weren't here, you can go back and watch that and laid that foundation last week. This week, I want to give you some practical things because the followers of Jesus fish. Followers fish. If you've been caught, and that means if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you've been caught. You've heard a message. You gave your life to Jesus, and now as a a follower, you are a fisherman, I was going to say a fisher, a follower is a fisherman, amen, okay, now I know you're not amending that because it's like, oh, oh, okay, well, what does that mean, what does that mean I have to do, and uh, I, I just, I want to always be as transparent as I can, I, I don't like going door-to-door evangelism, I don't like that, so that's just not my thing, I'll stand up all day like this. And I remember probably the traumatic experiences I had as a PK, as a pastor's kid when the church was first started. And uh, my mom and dad on Saturdays, family day, right? Family day. Hey kids, we're going to spend some family day there. Come on, let's go. Yeah, great. What are we going to do? It's like, okay, get those tracks off the table. Get in the van, right? What? Tracks? What are you talking about? We had all these knocking door to door. Church just started knocking door to door. Other families are out at the park. Other families are out at the pool. Other families are doing things. We we're going door to door. I was an eighth grader. I was in middle school. That's hard already. And then get your parents dragging you door to door on that. No wonder. You know, anyways, okay, God's delivered me anyway, so. All well, those years of counseling. But anyway, so it's a, you know, it's like, it's not that. We're not talking about that. And that just kind of weirds everybody out. And it's not my thing. And it's still not my thing today, honestly. And uh, and there's people that aren't. That is their thing. And God bless them. And, uh But. You know, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about our life reflecting the life, love, and power of Jesus because of a life-giving relationship. As we said last week, living in the tree of life and the week before, that's kind of what we've been talking about. When you live in the tree of life, there's two trees in the garden, and God says you can eat of uh, all of them except for one. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil then uh, puts people in a position where they, decide, they start deciding for themselves what's godly and what's not. And that's a moving target in the culture that we live in today. Other than living a life out of a relationship with Jesus, which is what he's saying, live in the tree of life. Or in other words, eat the fruit of this tree of live out of your relationship with Jesus and allow your life to reflect that relationship where you're not making a decision on what's godly, what's not, what's right, and what's wrong, what's not. Because can I tell you, the world's got it wrong today. I mean, the things that 10 years ago we said were godly and right and that weren't have changed all of a sudden because of culture or popular Christianity because wanting to fit in and not stand out not wanting to be we want to be more politically correct and biblically correct and that's subjected to the knowledge of good and evil what man says is good what man says is evil instead of what God says and so God says you need to live here and live out of a relationship it's, not, it's a relationship not a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts that change to the whim of men and men change them because we get uncomfortable And even when we have rules and regulations that men set, men can't live by them. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about living out of a loving relationship with Jesus, out of not being a person that's perfect, but a person that walks in Jesus' perfect love. Amen? full of forgiveness and grace and mercy, amen, just living out of that relationship. So that's what we're talking about here. And so we're living a life out of the tree of life really creates an environment around us. Our life produces fruit. And your, your life, let me say, your life's producing fruit, whether you think it is or not, good fruit or bad fruit, every single day, every choice you make. And we want to live a life that reflects the life, love, and power of Jesus by living in the tree of life. And therefore, people will want what we have, or they'll eat of that. Proverbs eleven thirty 30, our, our founding scripture here at Tree Life, where we get the name says it this way, the fruit of the righteous, those that are followers of Jesus, because we're righteous or in right standing with God, not in anything that we could do or ever have done, but only in what Jesus did. And we, have, we are righteous in Christ through his work, not through our work, and therefore we can live a life relationally that can produce good fruit, the result of which says, and he who wins souls is wise, that the world will see our life... And want what we have. The fruit of a person, uh, the fruit of this person, a righteous person is a tree of life and he who in souls is wise. Say wise. Key word right there. Can I tell you, I, my goal is to be wise. Right, just my dad always said, just be wise, son. Make wise decisions, be wise. I want to help us be wise today. I want this church to be wise. I want us to be on mission. So we're going to look at the word wise. Let's talk about that for a moment in context of what our series is, living in the tree of life, producing a life that wins souls. And as we put it in this way, what Jesus said in Matthew 14, uh, for rather the wisdom of fishing. Come on, man. It's wise to go fishing every once in a while. Right? It's wise to go fishing. right? So, Come on. Yeah, come on. It's wise. I tell you, that's who we're supposed to be as a Christian, as a believer. Let's take a look at that word wise in Colossians 4, 5, and 6. It says this, be wise. In the way you act towards outsiders. And Colossians is referring to the way that you treat people that aren't followers of Christ. Be wise in the ways that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, tasty if you will. And we'll talk about that later. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Oh, if the church would just get this two, these two scriptures right here. Be wise in our conversations with outsiders. Quit calling them sinners and telling them they're going to hell and all that kind of stuff. No wonder people are turned off with Christianity. Have a, have a conversation full of grace and full of love, just like it was that helped win you to Jesus. Listen, I, I, I'm so convinced that we make this more complicated than God ever intended it to be, but we need to be wise. I'm gonna give you three areas that we all need to be more wise in. Let me give you some fishing wisdom, if you will. And if you've ever fished, you gotta be wise. I, I, I know, I, I'm not a fisherman, and, and so I, I like to go fishing just because I love being there with guys, I love being out on the water, and, and uh, you know I borrow people's stuff because I don't have my own stuff, and, and, uh, you know, and so they're telling me what to do hey, cast over here and use this lure or whatever that is, because there's a strategy to it all. And so I want to help you with that a little bit. I want to help you with a little bit of strategy there because it can be intimidating. And so I want to kind of take some of that fear out, some of that complication away from you. In fact, next week, we're going to talk about kind of things to say. I want to give you some wisdom today on how to fish. And let me give you the first area is this, be wise in our moments. We need to be wise in our moments, Our our days are full of moments and things that happen, not by chance, but by God's design. understand that God is working all the time with seven and a half billion people to cross paths with each other for a moment that Jesus can be revealed. I mean, we might call it this way, divine appointments. And you know what I'm talking about because you'll come home from work one day and you'll tell your wife, hey, you'll never guess what happened. You'll never guess who I came across. And we think it's like this big coincidence or happenstance that just, I can't believe it, you'll never guess it. And God's up there saying, yeah, I set it up that way. I set it up that way. I mean, I'm, I'm the one that makes all this happen. I'm the one taking this person, this person. You'll never guess. I mean, I've been places and stuff like that. I was in Guatemala at, at a language school for, for Spanish for, for six weeks and stuff, and I ran into a tree of lifer. And we had an amazing moment there. And it wasn't just, oh, wow, what are the chances of you being here and me being here? So God totally just orchestrated some things. But our job is to understand every day God's creating those moments in our life, and we need to be wise of things that are happening around about us. Let me say it like this. When, you're, when you go out to lunch today and you go to a restaurant, be wise to the opportunity that God put that server at your table for a purpose, or God put you there. Last week, my family and I, after my youngest daughter just turned 18 two weeks ago, and we had a family thing going on after church that day, so we didn't go to a particular restaurant. Her favorite restaurant uh, was Cheddar's. Just, she likes one dish there. And I just want to say this, and Cheddar's, forgive me, but I've never had a positive experience at Cheddar's. And so... I don't go there that often, but there are some great things to eat there, and so uh, my daughter wanted to go for this particular dish, and so we went. It was her birthday, and so uh, we're in there kind of already a little bit leery of, oh, come on. Well, hopefully it's going to be a good experience this time, and, and so uh, it, was, it was crazy on Sunday afternoon there, there, kind of by the forum, and so we got right in. We're seated, and I tell you, it was just not a very good experience, and so it was an all-day event. We were there. I can not believe how long we were there. We were in church longer than we were at lunch. And so, I mean, I mean we, were, we were there longer than we were at church, rather. And, and it was like this whole big ordeal and stuff. And we had this sweet little, uh, probably 19, 20-year-old waitress. And she had this just really pretty smiling, really sweet personality. And she was working really hard. And, and things just weren't working out. And some of it was kind of her fumbling a little bit. Some of it was all the other things fumbling and happening around about us. And we were there, like I said, longer than we were at church, it seemed like. And so my family got up to go to the car, and we were ready to leave and I was in there paying the bill and getting the to-go box and all that kind of stuff, just waiting. And she walked up to the table, and I just felt impressed the Lord. I looked at her, and I said, you know what? You, guys really, you just really got a really pleasant smile. Thank you for making this a positive experience. And she goes, I'm so sorry, just things like this, and this was happening, this and that. I said, hey, no worries. I said, I have a great rest of the day. I said, but thank you again. You just kept everything positive. And, you know, things happen. We get that. But, you know, thank you for that. And she looked at me and said that this is my first day. And I thought, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord, for prompting my heart. It wasn't by accident. We just got some random look of the draw and got put at this table. Understand God works with intentionality. And he's moving the pieces around. Your moments just might be a God-ordained moment. So keep your head up, your eyes open, and maybe ask God, is this the one? Is this the time, God? Maybe get up in the morning and ask God for the day, hey, make my eyes be open. Uh, Look at every relationship that you intersect with curiosity and say, this just might be the one, God. I'm ready. I'm gonna live my life in a way that will reflect your life, love, and power. And maybe, just maybe, and she'll see something that she'll want or he God builds his kingdom through relationship relational intersections. Take a look at what it says in Psalms 37, 23. It says it this way. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Don't think for one second you're in control of everything in your life. God directs your path. Your calendar, a lot of it, you have overloaded. <laughs> but a lot of it God has orchestrated to put you in the right place at the right time with the right people. It goes on to say this uh, in uh, Proverbs 16.9. It says it this way. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. There's things that you woke up that were on your heart that you think that you're wanting to do for the day, and it's really God wanting you to do that. God is working. God is working all over this planet to cross paths with people who are living in the tree. of life. That's why it is so important for you and I to live every day in the tree of life. And if we blow it, make a mistake, get out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Climb down, jump down, get over to the next one, figure out how to swing from branch to branch, however you can get there. Just recognize it, get down, get up in the right tree. Why? Because you never know when God's bringing somebody across your path. And it's so important for us to live a life out of the tree of life so someone can see our life and want what we have. So, when we go through the day, we should be curious about these life intersections. And we need to ask God, is this one of them? Am I supposed to be involved in this one? Let me tell you how to do that in your moment, to be wise in your moment. Be intentional in relationships. Be intentional in relationships. What if God was the author of every relationship you have, even the ones you don't want? (laughs) What if God was the author of all those? What if God is going to put the exact person at the right place at the right time like at your table today? If we're a bit more curious about it and a bit more intentional about our relationships, then we're gonna enjoy our God-given moments and take them for what we are. I, I wrote it this way. What if you write down the people that you intersect life with on a regular basis that you know aren't walking with the Lord or don't know the Lord, and you pray for them every day and pray for an open opportunity? I mean, it's, it's, all, it's true that in our daily routines, in our daily life, we intersect people every day, and my chances are, a lot of them, we could kind of tell by now where their walk with the Lord is, if at all, and what if those daily intersecting their path, God intends so you can live a life and a way out of the tree of life where they will maybe want what you have. See, probably a lot of those times we're, li- we're living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we're, we're relating as God never intended with people that he put across our path every single day. So we need to write down the names of the ones we regularly cross paths with and pray for open opportunities to share the gospel with our life. Okay, let me give you another one under that moment. Find their spiritual spot. Find their spiritual spot. See, every person has a place that they're most sensitive. Notice I didn't call it a soul spot. Because here's what I know, that God put every single one of us in our spirit man a longing for a relationship with him. God did that, spiritually. Everyone is created with the spirit to long for God and people are filling it with so many other things. But there's a longing for a relationship with God. God put it there intentionally. So find the spiritual spot in people's life. Well how do you do that? Every person has a place where they are very sensitive and it's usually in their relationships. It's usually a marriage. It's usually with kids or a family or friends. And if it's not that, it's usually around work. Have a conversation around that. Hey you, don't have to, hey, you don't have to have the answer, all the Bible. You don't have to be Bible answer man. I don't want to share the gospel with somebody because what if they ask me a question about the Bible? Can I tell you, I don't like to do that. I mean, when you're a pastor, I know I went to Bible school. I've been in ministry for 25 years. And when I meet people, it seems like once they find out what I do, they want to play stump the pastor, all right? Listen, can I tell you, it's not that hard. It's not that fun, then, right? It's like, I, I don't even go there anymore. It's like, something pastor. I mean, I'm honestly, people ask me what I do, I really wrestle with lying or telling them the truth. But I tell them the truth, ultimately, eventually, I do. And so it's like this thing listen, I get nervous in those moments. People want these deep theological things and stuff. And I don't have any problem telling them, you know, I really don't know. Well, aren't you a pastor? Well, yeah, but I mean, Google it. <laughs> Hold on a second. Yeah, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked me that one. I get nervous. I know you get nervous. You don't want to tell a story. It's like people. People don't. They'll ask you like, I mean, how, how does how do they fit all those animals? How do they get all those animals in the ark? I don't. I don't know. I don't know how they did that. I don't know. All I know is God told Moses to build an ark, and he said he's going to bring animals from every every tribe, every people, every tongue, I'm going to bring the animals, and God parted the Red Sea, and all the animals came marching on, onto the boat. And then the storm came, and the boat starts floating, and so they're afraid for their lives, so they all, Moses said, throw me over the side, and the storm will cease. And then God sent a big whale, and he swallowed Moses, and for three days he was in the belly of a whale. And he spit him up on the shore, and to dry and warm himself he created a fire, and a snake came out of the fire and bit him on the hand, and he shook it off into the fire. There was a great revival in the land, but the king was mad, so the king got Moses and took him and threw him in the den of lions. And it's like, the next day, Moses, are you okay And there? was like, yeah, God shut up the mouth of the lion, I'm okay, and they celebrated him, and Moses was free, and he went on, and, and then that night he looked up and saw a bright shining star, and he was there, and, and he followed the star, and there was other shepherds and wise men at this manger in Bethlehem, and baby Jesus was born, and to celebrate, Moses turned water into wine, and everybody had a great time, and all this kind of stuff. I don't know! i have no idea i have no idea how I got those animals on that boat i don't know you're not gonna have the answers to everything and i get nervous in the moment and every scripture i ever memorized is gone and it's like how am i gonna how am i gonna do that hey it's okay it's okay See, there's some things, honestly, only even God knows. There's some things only God knows and will never be revealed until we're in heaven one day. Like, why did Kawhi leave the Spurs? I don't know, yeah. Only gonna be revealed in heaven one day. I don't know. But ask them about their family. You don't have to get them on this big Bible talk. Ask them about their family. Ask them about their marriage. Ask them about their kids. Ask them about their job. Because everyone has a sensitive spiritual spot. Ask them about it. Find the spot. Everybody has a place where they're very interested in talking about. And then when you find that spot, add value to them. Add value to them. That's the key. Find out where the need is and then work to meet it. Everybody has needs. Even people that think they have everything, they need something. And listen, when you find out the need, that's where you start. You start with the need and then you bring them to Jesus. Before you share about Jesus, you be like Jesus Live in the tree life. What do you mean by that? If they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them a drink. If they're tired, give them a bed to sleep in. If they need a shoulder to cry on, give them yours. If they need an ear to hear, be there for them. Everyone has a need to feel loved, accepted, appreciated, and to be known. Everyone has a need for significance, including everyone in here. There's not enough money on the planet. There's not enough things that can give you fulfillment or make you feel significant that only comes from God because he created you that way and you cannot leave him out of the process. First Corinthians three, six, Living Bible says, Paul says this, my work was to plant the seed in your hearts, Apollos' work was to water it, but it was God, not we who made the garden grow in your heart. The next verse actually says that we were a team, we all worked together to do this. And so what Paul's saying is, Paul says it was my job to bless you with some groceries. It was Apollos' job to give you friendship, listen to you. It was God's job to make it grow. See, we have to move people down a process. See, it's not as complicated as we think. I just want to give you some wisdom for fishing. Okay, be wise in your moment. Next, we need to be wise in our manner. Be wise in our manner. When I talk about manner, I'm talking about the way you act. Yeah, we need to tell the church and Christians, be wise in the way you act. We're not better than anybody else. We're just going to heaven. We're saved, thankfully. But listen, we walk around sometimes as arrogant. Nobody, no wonder people don't want what we have. And we need to be wise in the way we act because people don't want. Everyone in this room has heard this before. Mind your manners, my mom, my grandma. Mind your manners, my dad. Hey, you ever roll up with your family to a place and before you get out of the car, dad says, "Hold on a second, boys. I don't know why I never said Amy." Boys, mind your manners, or else. Okay, yes, sir. All right. So, and I, I got to tell you, you know, my dad believed in "spare the rod, spoils the child." My brother and I our father sing from "Spoiled." Yeah. In fact, Jeff is so not spoiled. I thought his name was Rod for a long time. I thought every time my dad would get, yell, "Get the rod!" A few minutes later, I'd hear Swats. A few minutes later, my brother'd come walk in, and I thought I was rooming with Rod. I was confused when I heard his name was Jeff. Eventually, like, Can we just when it was, "Get your manners in order. Act right." My parents says, "Act right. Come on, come on, church. Act right. Act like you're living in the tree of life because people are watching." And we got, we got these. We, we, we want to live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because it's easy for us or it's what we want. It's pleasing to us and not pleasing to God and therefore we can kind of live how we want and justify it, but we can't even live that way. We can't even live that way. Look at what Matthew 5, 13 through 14, the message paraphrase says, let me tell you why you were here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Don't you like the message paraphrase? It doesn't mess around. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on the hill. Live out of the tree of life, Matthew 5, 16. And I've In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, see your godly manners, see the way you act, and then they'll glorify your Father that is in heaven. Our manners matter. How do we do that? Make things better and brighter. That's not so hard, make things better and brighter. Well, how do I do that? Hey, tomorrow morning, Monday morning blues, no one wants to be at work at Monday morning. You wanna walk in? Walk in and bright, make things better and brighter. Get a, ba- get a box of donuts on the way. I mean, that seems not funny, but how you want to brighten somebody's day when you go to work on Monday morning? Bring a box of donuts. What are the donuts for? Just because it's Monday. What is that? That's being a witness. That's fishing. That's fishing. You're just making things better and brighter. It's not that complicated. Listen, you don't have to explain the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You just need to bring Krispy Kremes to work. That's what you need to do. Open the door up. Talking about our manners, understand their world. Here's a big one, understand their world. See, a lot of Christians want everyone to understand our world. We're gonna spend more time talking about our world than listening to what their world's like. We need to try and understand what it's like to be them. We were talking the other day, when a, a couple of guys were talking and we we're just asking, okay, help me understand this person a little bit and I just, this was different and I'm not real sure and how I think about that. And once they say, you know, I never knew that. i get it now. Totally different now. Praying for the guy, different. Looking for him to encourage him in a different way. I never knew. Ask him what it's like to be in their world. When I started in ministry, when I graduated Bible school, I came on, I was the junior high guy for a number of years. And I loved it. It was great. God delivered me. But uh, um, it was wonderful. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every week, Tuesday. Every Tuesday, I went to New Braunfels Christian Academy for lunch. Every Wednesday, Canyon Middle School. Every Thursday, New Braunfels Middle School. And I sat with the kids from our church. I, I couldn't pass out stuff. I wasn't inviting them to things. I just went and sat with the kids at our church. I wanted to meet their friends. And I would ask them all the time with the friends, hey, do you go to church? Why don't you go to church? Hey, what do you, what do you think about God? I mean, what, just tell me, tell me your picture and idea of what God, what God is and what, that, what, what does he look like to you And church? What do you think about church? What is that... And they would tell me, and it helped me understand them. and helped me minister to them a little bit more. And they appreciated that I was interested in their life. And now I love asking adults the same questions. And can I be honest with you? When I talk to adults about the same question, what do you think about God? And how come you don't go to church? Or what do you think about church, this and that? I don't disagree with a lot of their answers. Because the biggest turnoff to church is church. And the biggest turn off to Christianity is Christianity. Christians. But you know what? People that are living that way aren't living the Bible. And that's what I point out. I agree with that, but that person's not living the Bible. Nobody's perfect by any means. But listen, that's why we're trying and striving to live out of the tree of life instead of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which none of us could live up to anyways. And so it changes all the time. And so I tell them, I agree with you. I I, I understand where you're coming from. And, And much of what makes Christians and Christianity unattractive is that we're living out of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. You know what? Just telling people that they're sinners and going to hell may be true but not very helpful, right? Like they need you telling them, right? Hey, I, but I get it, churches are full of, can be full of people that are critical and judgmental and live that way and it's not as God intended. They're religious Christians living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They can't even follow those themselves. I've had people tell me, I don't wanna to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And then I remember what a pastor said one time who asked a man why he didn't go to church and the man responded, well, because it's full of hypocrites and the pastor says, you're right, but we got room for one more. The the truth is churches are full of Christians trying to decide about what tree they're going to live in. That's why we try and create environments to connect people to Jesus. Churches isn't for perfect people. It's where imperfect people can find love from a perfect father. They can find a perfect love. People just need someone to understand the world they come from. And then we show them the unconditional, reckless love of God. Never ending, overwhelming, reckless love of God. See, it's the same kind of love we all love to receive. And let me just tell you what does unconditional love mean? I'm, I'm going to tell you, write this down. It means love without condition. You didn't realize you were with such a smart guy. I am. Highly intelligent, unconditional love. Seriously, love without condition. There you go. You can brag to all your friends today. My pastor is so smart. It is true. It's simple. I'm telling you, it's simple. Man makes it complicated. But God made it simple because he desires that none should perish, and we, Jesus, wants us all to be fishers of men. That's what Jesus did. Remember the Bible story and the story in the Bible, for those who may not know? Remember Zacchaeus? Remember the flannel Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he climbed up in Sycamore tree to see what he could see? That's all I remember. But thank God for Children's Church, right? You didn't get in there, but... So, because I got nervous and I just forgot everything and we already did the whole Moses and the ark thing. But anyway, so Zacchaeus was a thief. He was a crook. And Jesus saw him and said, hey, Zacchaeus, come get down from that tree. We need to go to lunch. I want to have lunch with you. And the religious crowd are like, what? He's going to lunch. Why is he taking Zacchaeus to Falafel House? What is that about? Right? What is he doing there? He's meeting with that guy. And so afterwards, and they're talking, talking, talking. Afterwards, Zacchaeus, the thief, comes out and says, I'm giving half of everything I own to the poor, and the other half, I'm going to take in. Everybody I ever cheated or stole from or ripped off, I'm going to pay them four times back. Can I tell you, I would have loved to sat in that lunch. But the Bible never tells us what was said in the lunch. We just see the result of somebody sitting for who knows how long with Jesus over something to eat and hearing about the unconditional love of Jesus and his life was changed forever. Amen. Changed forever. Amen. Unconditional love. I love that story. Look what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, through 23 When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try and find, listen to this, common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. I'm just looking for some wisdom. I just want to give you some fishing wisdom. Hey, everybody, you're getting those moments every day. They're there. And how we act and treat people, our manners, they really do matter. In fact, how we act is probably even more important, speaks more loudly than what we say. And we need to be wise. And here's the last one in our message, and we'll go more on this next week. Our message Second Timothy two twenty three 23 through 25 new living translation says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant, arguments that only start fights. Boy, if the church would get that one, I've never won anybody to Jesus by getting in an argument with them. And I'm just not an arguer by nature anyways. I mean, I just don't, I'm just like, okay, it's your life. You know, what? okay. I hear you. Okay, man. Can I pray for you? You know, I mean, because you don't win people over the Lord of, to the Lord for an argument. You win them because of love. Again, I say, oh, oh, where are we? Okay. Again, I say, don't get involved with foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn from the truth. Can I, can I tell you, you never have an open door when you argue. But when you just extend love and grace, patience, they'll keep coming back around. And you have an opportunity. And so it's important. And here's what, I, here, here's what we, we should do, 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ. Now, now listen, this is, we're talking about our message. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. And here's, here's the answer. Here's what you do. Give the reason for the hope that you have. You don't have to have the answer to how all the animals got in the ark. You don't have to have the answer to the four horsemen of the apocalypse or, or what's Paul's thorn in his flesh. You, don't, you just need to be able to answer in the hope that you have. Why did you become a Christian? Why did you ask Jesus into your heart? You think that'll work for me? Where were you at and what changed in you? What, what brought you to that place? That's what this is talking about. Give the reason for the hope that you have. Goes on to say, can we go back to that that passage real quick? Yeah, give the reason for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You're just trying to love them. Give an answer to the reason why you chose Jesus. Tell them why you became a Christian. We're gonna give you some help with that next week. Give them the reason for the hope that you have because they need hope too. Do it this way. Share the hope that we have. Let me tell you why I chose to be a Christian. I'm going to tell you what you should do. But I'll tell you the reason why I did it first. Next thing you do is share your church. Share your church. We never wanted to create a church for church people. That was never the intent. In fact, we pray every week, God, please don't send us a whole bunch of church people. No, I'm just kidding. We don't play that. I'm just kidding. kind of kidding hey we want to pray we want to fill this place up fill this place up with the lost and hurting humanity we want to say hey those are the christians we're going to heaven we want to fill it up with people that don't even know what heaven is That don't even know there's hope don't even know that they someone has paid the price for their sin i wrote it this way this came on my heart i was sharing this with somebody the other day i wrote it this way we don't we don't build hospitals for well people but we staff them with well people We don't build emergency rooms for well people, but we staff them with well people and we train those well people how to help the sick people. We don't build churches for church people, but we staff it. We put volunteers that are in this process of growing and maturing in the things of God so they can know how to help the lost people, so they can reach the lost people. Amen? That's why we're here. We teach them and train them how to fish. That's why we do what we do. We're not trying to connect people to Tree of Life Church. We're trying to connect them to Christ. Listen, everybody, at, at least one Sunday a year, I'm honestly more than that, at least one Sunday a year, you should try and have somebody that's far from God sitting next to you. We have the good news message. Jesus came to save all. See, I said this before, hell's not a place that God sends people he's mad at. Hell's a place where people to choose to pay for their own sin. Which has already been paid. Our bill's have been paid. Not only that, I want you to know this. He not only pays for your sin, but he cleanses your conscience. That's a big deal. Listen, listen. He washes your sin away and cleanses you from guilt and shame. Come on. Come on, we can forgive you. I'm sorry, I forgive you for that. stuff. But we can't take anybody's guilt and shame away from them, and nobody can take ours. But Jesus came not only to forgive our sin, but to take away the guilt and the shame. We don't have to live in the guilt and shame after our forgiveness. Come on, there's nobody else that can do that. There's no other message that can say that. I mean, it's great for forgiveness of sin, but then after the fact, to walk without guilt and shame. We don't listen to the devil. What a message we have. And not only can he... Forgive your sin, but he can cleanse your conscience. Forgiven and no more guilt and shame. That's why why we're not sharing Tree of Life Church. We're not sharing an organization. We're trying to be a Tree of Life and share Christ. Let me give you the last thing, share Christ. Share Christ under the message. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of the Living God. He's the only one that can take your guilt and shame off your life and forgive you of sin. Amen, everybody? Amen. Amen. It matters. Our moments matter. Wisdom for fishing. Be aware of those moments, those divine appointments every day, those intersections God puts you on. That's why it's so important to live in the tree of life because he's doing that all the time so you can make a difference. Be aware of your manners. Just act right. Act like you're living in the tree of life. Act godly. And be aware of the message. The message we have is the greatest message ever and we cannot keep it to ourselves. This morning, my heart, my hope was to just give us some wisdom for fishing. It's not as complicated as we think. The enemy is going to do everything he can to try and keep us from doing it because he knows the impact. We need to work every day to make sure we're getting up and living in the tree of life. And if we're in the knowledge tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then we need to realize it or somebody else needs to help us so we can get out of that one and get in the right one. Why? Because we want to be wise. We want our life to bear, produce the fruit that other people will see it and want, and they then want to give their life to Jesus. Amen? Because He is the forgiver of sin and the taker away of guilt and shame. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.